where is this relationship going? Downhill, that's where it's going. These gender stereotypes don't particularly hurt us humans in general when it comes to dating. Or personally, I don't think so. Because it's about playing to our strengths. 35 steps in how to treat a man to become your husband. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> if he moved you that much, well, go crazy, girl. I support you. Unless your girlfriend is Rihanna, she's not going to love the way you lie. <laughs> And together with my co-host Andrea, for this episode, we'll be debating the confusing world of dating, specifically the early dating stages. Welcome to Sunder Characters. Andre, what does early dating stages mean? Well, in our episodes, we tend to start with a definition. Believe it or not, Google has one for the early dating stages too. Early dating often involves the physical attributes of the partner and includes things like outward appearance, body type, interest, and personality traits. At this stage, the attraction may not be too deep, and each half of a couple is generally putting his or her best foot forward. Let's throw ourselves straight into it with a burning question. Who should pay on a first date? Andre, what's your personal opinion on this? I have to give a disclaimer. <laughs> My view on dating is six years out of date, but considering the date went well, I would be very happy for the other person to pick up the bill. And that is provided I wanted to see them again. If I wouldn't want to see them again, actually, I would insist on splitting the check. You know, I was thinking about this. Why would you be splitting if you don't want to see them again? <laughs> Because if he pays on a first day, that means you pay on a second. But if there is no second, I'm talking saving money here. I never thought about this. But I'm the same. If I don't want to see them again, I think for me, it's easier to feel like I don't own them anything. I do believe in equality, but in the same time, I'm very attracted to the gentleman and I do enjoy being spoiled or the spoiling stages of a relationship because I know long time women eventually end up giving a bit more in a relationship. Why I would argue that men should step up at least at the beginning. So the final answer is I would like them to pay on a first date. If we look at some studies, according to the gentleman's journal, they say something along the lines of the gentleman should always pay on the first date. And that's regardless of whether you asked the woman out or not. It is your duty to reach into your pocket and say those three golden words. I've got this. And the second date, it's still the man's turn. And only after the second date, so on the third date, you can let the woman pitch in for the drinks. But you should still pay for the lion's share of the meal. And the fourth date is when you finally reach the point where splitting is acceptable. I mean, she may even insist on paying for the whole meal. And if you stuck it this long without a fight, it seems quite silly to argue with her at that point in time. I kind of like this study and I don't know if I'm a bit biased because I'm a woman. But I think for a successful start of a relationship, it's so useful to have the man being a gentleman. In this day and age, considering that you go on 10 days to find the perfect person for you, for a man, that might become a bit expensive, especially if you go on two, three dates. By the time she and 
job picking part of the bill. You're broke. So I think this will just encourage men to date less or settle for less. I really think we should take this study with a pinch of salt. I agree. Now, let's take studies with a pinch of salt. I'm going to carry on with another one. There was a survey from 300,000 men and women, and they were registered with the elite singles. They answered the question, who should pay on a first date? And I think we would like to note here that the data used couldn't be traced back to the original user. The results are very intriguing, so we are just going to look into it. When men were asked who should pay on a first date, almost 63% said they should be the ones paying, and only 2% agreed that perhaps women should pay on a first date. 7% of them said they should split the bill, and 28% of them said they wouldn't mind. Wow. Now, if we are asking the women the same question, when it came about men should pay, 46% of them agreed. 5% of women said women should pay compared to 2% of men saying that. Split the bill, 18% of women agreed to that. And 31% of them said they don't mind. So it seems like women are a bit more relaxed about who's paying on a first date compared to men. Men said men should actually pay for the bill 63% of the times compared to 46% of the times from women's perspective. I think this is very interesting. Men are more willing to pay the bill, a lot more than we think they are. Perhaps if we insist on splitting, because 28% of them don't really mind, that's when we end up doing half-half. Not because almost 63% of them wouldn't be willing to go for it and just pay for the first date. I actually think that's such a stressful conversation on the first date. It's really awkward, isn't it? I agree. But now if I think the date is just going really, really bad, I don't see why the men should take the full bill. It makes it a lot easier if for the first date you go for a coffee or you go for a glass of wine instead of a three-course meal, five pounds for a coffee compared to a full-course meal in London, we are talking 100 pounds here. Then, yeah, probably men wouldn't be as willing to pay on a first date. And I don't think they should. The first date should be a bit more relaxed. So the pressure of who's paying first wouldn't be as high. I think it really depends on how you came across them. Because if you're meeting someone after you've only spoken with them online, I like this idea of keeping it a bit more chill, going for a coffee. But if I've met them in real life a couple of times and it wasn't a date, if they took me out for a coffee, I probably would be a bit underwhelmed. It depends at what stage you are. If you've met on online dating sites, you meet for the first time, a coffee takes a bit of the pressure of, you know, you meet a stranger for the first time, a three-course meal, that's going to be a very long date. A coffee gives you the ability to finish a bit faster. In half an hour, you're gone. But with a three-course meal, that means at least one hour of chit-chatting when you're not really sure if you like the person you're seeing. I can totally imagine how if the date goes bad, you might have to eat your dessert really, really quickly. I think I would skip dessert altogether. (laughs) When we talk about who pays for dinner, it was very hard for me to not think about feminism and sexism and what are the gender roles in the society. So I came across this notion of benevolent sexism. Social scientists define benevolent sexism as this idea that women should be cherished and adored and they're fragile and they need protection from men. So far, I don't disagree. (laughs) It's interesting because 
they were saying that this goes far beyond who pays for dinner. It reinforces gender stereotypes and ultimately it affects how women view themselves and how we view ourselves as women in our workplace or in our careers. The article was saying that it was proven that women who have these chivalrous expectations from men, they are less ambitious in their career and they are also less inclined to do well academically. Crazy, right? Yeah. I must admit that when I read this, I got really worked up and really angry because I just said that. I just said that five minutes ago that I would like for someone to pay for my dinner if I like them. When you look at LGBTQ couples, they don't really have the same issue because they tend to say that the person who initiated the date should be the one to pay for it. And I think that's quite a nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we need to take a file from that book. I don't know. I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> I think reading these sort of articles really leaves men and women both very confused in terms of who should do what and who should pay for dinner. I know I am. I thought really, really strong whether I should discuss about this in this episode, because I can see how easily it can be twisted into something else. The article said that, so I'm now not going to offer to pay for anyone's dinner because I'm a man. I don't want to contribute to the patriarchy. If you are a woman listening to this, maybe your feelings are more like mine. I don't need for anyone to pay for my bill, but I really like it when that happens. It's a nice to have. And like I said in the beginning, I appreciate if someone did that for me as a gesture of, hey, I want to see you again. And here's a proof of that because I want to spend time with you rather than a conversation of power and money. To be honest, I already paid for my own food for the past 12 years. And quite frankly, I really don't think this is about money and I really don't think this is about power, but I think it's, it's a question about self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Exactly. It goes well beyond that. I wouldn't say just because you paid for your dinner or the fact that you wish for someone else to pay for your first drink on a first date doesn't mean you're not doing great in your career. You haven't exceeded in your education and you've done very well for yourself. So I think that's beyond the point. Going back to this benevolent sexes and the gender stereotypes, I think it comes as no surprise that men and women, we are hardwired differently, meaning that there are differences in our brain structures. There have been a number of studies on emotional intelligence, and it was intriguing to see very, very different results. Back in 2010, as well as in 2017, a number of people did a study on this. And even though everyone is emotionally intelligent, the studies have shown that Females demonstrate a higher degree of emotional intelligence than men do. On the other hand, there is an article from Forbes, and they say that in the millions of people who have taken this emotional intelligence assessment worldwide, men and women have been shown to be equally emotionally intelligent, which is so intriguing. And it makes you wonder why are the results so different? On this article, they started discussing that boys are socialized very early on to be competitive, to be confident, assertive, and even a bit aggressive. And that boys are taught about hierarchy and that winning is the most important thing in life compared to girls where we have received very different messages in our childhoods. We are meant to be nurturing, care about others, show some emotions and get along and be empathic. So we learned that the process is more important than the winning and that relationships are key. 
I think it's very clear that we continue to receive these reinforced messages into adulthood and carry these behaviors and beliefs into future relationships, but also in the workplace, as you mentioned. So it's no surprise that men outperform women in the emotional intelligence skills of assertiveness and confidence, while women outperform men in emotional intelligence skills of being an empath or having interpersonal relationships. And it seems like this is the answer. This is why different studies have found different results. Because it depends. Do you ask the questions that are more about being confident, assertive? Or do you ask more questions showing that you're an empath, that you have some skills on showing emotions or being nurturing? The point I want to make with this is that these gender stereotypes don't particularly hurt us humans in general when it comes to dating, or personally, I don't think so, because it's about playing to our strengths. Men bring the confidence, a bit of competitiveness and an aggressive side, while us women, we bring the softer side. And I'm not saying it's the same for all the women on this planet. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of women that are very confident, very competitive. The soft side doesn't automatically imply that we are weak or less worthy than a man. We just happen to be more in touch with our feminine side. And as I mentioned, here are exceptions. The issue with stereotypes is mainly related to work and leadership, because if we talk about a leader and the way we envisage a leader, most people tend to think in male terms, we want someone that is very competitive, confident, assertive, decisive, or independent. I think it applies to us as well. We rarely hear leadership characteristics like empathy, relationship-oriented, strong communicator, or supportive, even though I might not be thinking about it, but as a good leader, I do expect them to have a bit of empathy or be a bit supportive. This is definitely a topic we'll revisit at a later stage because I think there is so much more to this. Are we talking about dating or are we talking about leaders or are we talking about women expecting to be perhaps spoiled, if I may, on a first date? Does it mean they are weak or does it mean they are not confident? They are not aggressive enough? No, by no means. I agree. And when you make all these points, the only thing I can think about, because obviously I lived with myself for so long, I can tell you that I actually really enjoy being a bit softer when I go on dates. I don't want to always have to be powerful and confident and competitive. I think that's quite hard for me to stay in that energy for so long. And particularly in the presence of a man, I don't vibe with it. I like to be treated. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, let's lighten up the mood a little bit. According to general opinion, what are the main topics to discuss, avoid on a first date? The internet says that we should definitely avoid some of the topics. And I want us to go through them. And I'm going to ask you, Anna, which why? Which ones you are going to agree with and why? And then I want to go through a list of the topics to discuss. Sounds good. Let's go. Avoid. Why are you single? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Yes-ish. You? Yes. Your ex? I wouldn't avoid. I wouldn't avoid either. Money? Depends. I don't think we should ask how much you make, but getting a feeling of their financial situation, especially now, because we are in our 30s. Okay. I think by the time you're 30, you should have at least an idea of where you are financially speaking. If you're still living with your mommy and you have no future plans, personally, I wouldn't really avoid. 
I wouldn't avoid either, but I wouldn't be as crass as asking, so what's your money situation? I would probably be a bit more subtle and ask, what do you do for uh, a job? Absolutely, yeah. Subtle is a perfect word here. Religion. I would avoid. Sexual experiences. I think that should be the first question after you say your name. <laughs> How many people did you have intercourse with? Yeah, I would definitely avoid it. Because he doesn't bring anything to the picture. If he says 200, if he says one, how is that going to change? I can also imagine how this could become very weird very quickly. I mean, if someone was bragging to me about their sexual experiences, that would be a major red flag. I know. I mean, I slept with 200 women. What, do you want to make me 201? Hobbies. I wouldn't avoid, unless you have some weird hobbies. I wouldn't ask, okay, is your hobby watching porn? I wouldn't avoid. No, I wouldn't avoid. I think it's important to know whether you can connect over some kind of shared interest. Oh, this is a hot one. Marriage or kids? I think the light version of marriage and kids depends how strongly you feel about this too. I wouldn't say, so are you going to get married in the next six months? Because that's where I am. But it's more about how they feel about it. Okay. Another one. Secrets. I don't think it's appropriate on a first date. I would avoid. Avoid. Where is this relationship going? Downhill, that's where it's going. I, I would avoid. <laughs> if you have to ask that question on a first date, especially after meeting on Hinge, even better, if you met on Tinder and you say, where is this relationship going? To my house or yours? <laughs> yeah, I would avoid. Yeah, I would also avoid. Oh my God, this one triggers me. Do you always drink or eat this much? How is that even appropriate? Yeah, I would avoid. Anna, if someone asked me this, I would be very offended and probably leave because I eat a lot. <laughs> it's similarly to you're just going to have a salad, right? I put it in the same context. Any recent surgeries? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would avoid. Why do you not think my wisdom tooth extraction is interesting? <laughs> Maybe not on a first date. How many followers you have on social media? Because that's essential to me. How is that even bringing anything? I would avoid. I would also avoid, but also if someone asked me that, I would say, follow us on Sunder Characters on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Avoid talking about what you found about them on Google. First of all, this gives me stalking vibes. Yeah, I would avoid. I mean, do you not stalk them before you read them? <laughs> Not particularly, no. I don't even know their surname most of the time. This one was really weird for me because I don't know why it's on the avoid. Avoid talking about your pet. I don't think I would. What if he hates animals or he, first of all, that's a red flag, but at least bringing up, I'm not going to show my date all the pictures I have with my cat because sometimes that creeps me out as well, but I would bring it up. I wouldn't avoid that. I guess I had a crocodile or something. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't avoid either because my dog is a really big part of my life. And actually, it would be really important for me if someone wouldn't like dogs in general. I probably wouldn't be able to date them. Mm -hmm. Okay, now on the discuss, it's ambitions. Yeah, that would be good. How about travel? Yeah. Yeah. Food? I mean, I wouldn't have a half an hour conversation on food, but talk about it lightly. I think so too, mostly because I really enjoy cooking and I would like to know where the other person is with mm -hmm. that. Books or movies? 
because I like to read books. I think I would discuss that. I would discuss both, but not for a long extent. Mm -hmm. And lastly, where are you from? I just feel like these topics are extremely light and somehow, yeah, the first day should be a lot lighter. You don't talk about your sexual experiences, but you might as well talk about weather. I think it brings just as much. I don't have time for this, Anna. I want to, <laughs> I don't have time for this. I want to go through the selection process a little bit faster. Exactly my thought, Andre. Exactly my thought. That's why talking about, oh. Let's talk only about food and only about your favorite books. That's why I said we might as well talk about weather if we don't go any deeper than that. I think I agree with you. It's this idea of, you know, opening up a bit on a first date and be a bit uh, vulnerable. Not talking about all your weaknesses, but at least getting slightly deeper to decide, do you want to be with that person just because initial attraction or do you want to see if there is some consistency? The New York Times actually came up with 36 questions to fall in love. And I thought that was so interesting. Some of the questions are, what is the most treasured memory? What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Your house containing everything you own catches fire after saving your loved ones and pets. You have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item. What would it be and why? And apparently there has been some research on this and it's shown that they are effective at creating intimacy. Even the New York Times says that asking and answering these questions might not always lead to love. And I absolutely agree because I might get along with someone very well, but might not be loved. However, people fall in love for all sorts of reasons and not all of them are entirely logical. So I think that was, a, was an interesting point. Yeah. It's more about creating that intimacy. And I want to add to that, that I am absolutely obsessed with these 36 questions, but they're not all appropriate for the first date. And if you are going to look them up, please do not bombard your partner with these 36 questions on the first date. Yeah, not on a first date. I think if you pick and choose, there are some interesting ones that go beyond weather and beyond the last movie you watched. Good. Now we mentioned intimacy. The question is, should you kiss? or become intimate on a first date. And I think here we should be very clear what we are talking about because there are different types of intimacy. We can talk about the emotional side, physical, mental, and spiritual. But because we brought in the kissing part, I think it's obvious we are talking about the physical side. Andre, fire away. I don't think there's a role to that. I don't think there's any role. It's not a no, it's not a yes. I think you should do whatever floats your boat. That's what I would do. I would prefer to firstly ensure that I have some kind of emotional connection with that person. And I think a lot of women relate to that. But I don't have a timeline in how many dates that can happen. If it happens on the first night, I mean, happy to go with the flow. And also women that, because it's not all about, oh, men, when I stand crazy, I feel very empowering if women do that as well. If they feel so comfortable in themselves and so confident, they find the guy very, very attractive when they decide, you know what, tonight is the night. I wouldn't judge that. As you mentioned, whatever floats your boat and if you're happy with your decision. Now, let's talk data. So there's been a study on this about, you know, becoming intimate on a first date. And this study says that if you want a serious relationship, Sex on the first date is crucial, according to new research. 
And they say that more than a third of men found love after sleeping with their partner on the first date. I mean, coming from Eastern Europe, we have a name for these things, which is very, very sad. So more than a third of men, here I'm talking about 33%. Now, you know how many women have had sex with their partner after the first date? 56%. And that's how they found their serious relationship. I think that's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. And I want to add something to the Eastern European side of things. We not only have a word for it, we have songs about it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, songs that talk about avoiding it. Crazy. I know. I feel like we've come such a long way. And I don't think if you decide to become intimate on a first date or not, I don't think that's the bigger picture. I think being respectful, having the consent, I think that's more important than... Yeah, did you kiss him on a first date? If he moved you that much, well, go crazy, girl. I support you. You know what I find really intriguing is that when, obviously, we do our research for every single episode that we do, I keep getting surprised on what I found on the internet. So when we were talking about this kind of rules that we have around dating and when we should become physical, the first thing that popped to mind was the three dates rule from Sex in the City. If you're in your 30s now, you probably know what Sex in the City is. <laughs> if you're a bit younger, you should go and watch it. <laughs> so it made me think about Carrie Bradshaw and the association with the third date rule. In the first episode, Carrie is debating having sex with Mr. Big on the first date. And her friends mock her, calling her out on being the rule girl. This is in reference, I didn't know this, but this was in reference to a book from the 90s called The Rules. And this book is quite crazy, to be honest. It describes 35 steps in how to lock down a husband. (laughs) It's funny because it shows 35 steps in how to trick a man to become your husband. (laughs) And it obviously talks about the rules around having intimacy as well. It references the fact that if you play your cards right and basically postpone that moment until after the third date, you get to have sex with the man for the rest of your life. Ta-da! What if you don't want to? Well, if you want so much, you might as well stick with it. Yeah. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that this is really, really outdated advice. I actually found it super hilarious. I don't necessarily disagree with the three-date rule, but not because of this book, but because I know it can take a while to create some emotional intimacy with that person before that leads to different types of intimacy. But if this happens sooner or later, I would have no problem tossing away any rule, any timelines into the bin. I mean, Andre, if I were to add to this, I'm pretty sure someone can dub you even after having sex with them after the fifth date as easily as they can do after after the first. So I don't think this rule really, really applies. I think now would be the best time to bring up a popular dating rule for sexual partners and it's called the rule of seven. Oh, this rule. (laughs) So this rule says that by dividing your own age by two and then adding seven, you can find the socially acceptable minimum age of anyone you want to date, which again, is it really accurate? So if you're 24 years old, you can feel free to be with anyone who is at least 19 because you divide the age by two. So that will be 12 plus seven, that will be 19. But they say 
not someone who is 18. That's a no-no. The rule <laughs> is very clear. <laughs> now, if we discuss this side of, you know, should you do it on a first date? What about why you shouldn't? I think you should do what you want on the first date as long as you don't feel pressured into it or unsafe. I agree. I think as long as you're both having sex, for instance, on your own terms, and you both know what sex will and won't mean. Because if you go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to sleep with this person, that means I'm going to be in a serious relationship, your expectations might not be met. And this just leaves space for disappointment. There's nothing wrong with having sex on the first date. You're consenting adults. So I don't think someone should feel pressured by vague social rules telling you when to seek pleasure. Yes. Scrap those three dates. Scrap those seven years. You know, do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Up to 12 months. Up to 12 months. <laughs> but on a more serious note, if you do ever feel unsafe and whilst you're on a date and you live in the UK, don't forget that you can go to the venue and ask for Angela. In most of the venues, the staff are trained or at least should be trained to know that when you do ask for Angela, that is the code for the staff venue ensuring that you get home safe and you can get out of a situation safely. Mm -hmm. And in some places, uh, some bars, restaurants, they will also have this message in the bathroom. So if you go to the ladies, you'll see that advertised there. Okay. Why shouldn't you go on a second date? Of course, according to the internet, I found a couple of things. Your conversation has grown dull. There's no enthusiasm. There are a lot of awkward silences. A good one. They don't respect your boundaries and there is no connection. These are a couple of ones that I found. What are yours? Do you have any extra? First of all, I think these are very valid. If someone doesn't respect your boundaries, I mean, if they don't do it on a first date, why would they do it after three years of being in a relationship with them? If I were to look at me personally, I always ask myself after a date, is there potential? And apparently, again, according to TikTok, this is killing me. According to TikTok, you shouldn't look for potential, but I kind of disagree. If I don't see on a first date if the possibility of seeing myself with them longer term or the fact that, you know, I have something to discuss, I, I can open myself up, I don't feel judged or feel like they are disrespecting me in one way or another. Another one I ask myself is, would I see myself sleeping with them? Also, you know, that's the reason when was the question of avoid discussing about your ex. On a first date, 99.9% of the time, I will always ask, what was your longest relationship? Now, if on a first date, the guy, here I'm assuming they are in their late 20s, early 30s. If the guy tells me was one month long, I cannot see a redder flag than that. And I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but if you had a relationship and was less than one month, that means the first problem, I'm out. What about you, Andre? If they look like they haven't made an effort to get ready, honestly, it's one of my pet peeves. I mean, please, please do not look like you haven't made an effort after I spent 3000 hours doing my makeup, wearing perfume, lotioning my body. No, that's and a no here, go. And here, Andre, should I add, if the guy shows up like he hasn't taken a shower in a week, you know, it makes you question how much effort he's willing to put into this. Exactly. I have a big red flag, and that is if they trash an ex. 
no, that's a no-go. They will never see me again. Please do not trust your exes. That's very low. Andre, does mean you would ignore the rule to not discuss exes on a first date? I absolutely would ignore the rule if they spoke to me about their exes in a sort of respectful way. I mean, it depends how we bring up the conversation. It tells a lot when a guy talks about his ex in a polite manner. Yeah. Because there is a chance. One day doesn't guarantee you'll marry the guy. But if you end up in a long-term relationship, and again, a long-term relationship doesn't guarantee you'll get married. If he trusts his ex, there is a great chance he'll do the same with you. Absolutely. Okay. Another one for me is if they brag about their career achievements or money or cars or the amount of clothes. Oh no, please do not brag. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, bragging in any circumstance. Bragging bothers me in my friendships as well. So not not just in dating. Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd like to add? Yes. If they get wasted. Yeah. I shall call that BS, Andre. (laughs) Or depends. Depends what you're referring to when you say they get wasted. Do you get wasted with them? Because if you both get wasted, don't tell me it was the shittiest date you've ever been on. You don't stay with someone for seven drinks if you hated everything about it. After one drink, two drinks, you just get up and leave, right? Or you say, I look forward to never seeing you again. I think I have to call BS on myself, to be honest. There she is. There she is. (laughs) Showing your true colors. (laughs) Depends how you refer to this. I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a chance, Andre. Okay. So I, I have a friend and she went on a date with this guy. She didn't like the wine. They ordered wine. She didn't like it. He drank his wine. He also drank her wine, walked her home, threw up on her shoes. And... (laughs) To be honest, you know, if you want to get wasted, I'm all up for that. If there's a connection, if there's a vibe, if if there's something going on, I don't want you to get wasted and throw up on my shoes. Like, that's horrible. I I agree. And for instance, if he gets wasted by himself, you order a coffee and there he is with three shots of tequila. Is that really appropriate? Perhaps not. Or not for me. Not for me either. Now, how do we communicate relationship expectations, especially in the early stages of dating? I mean, it depends on the expectation. What is it that you expect? Complete and total honesty. How about things like emotional and mental support or alone time or being treated with respect? I think this is a given. But how do you communicate that? I totally agree. That should definitely be a given. As human beings, we should be respected. Now, we can also discuss marriage or kids and depends on the age we're at, because I think at least introducing the question of, okay, how do you feel about having kids? If the other person feels strongly about not having kids, they'll make it pretty obvious from the time you ask the question, now, should you have all this conversation on a first date? On a first date is more about getting their vibe, understanding if you're even compatible or if you even find them attractive. I definitely think that after three or four days, if you feel strong about certain things, maybe you should bring them up. Meaning, if you really feel strong about having or not having children, maybe you don't want to waste time with someone who wants the exact opposite of you. Honesty is the best policy. I agree. And also, can I just add to that, that when you're in your 30s, 
you should probably have quite a strong idea about whether you want to be married or not. Otherwise, it makes the dating scene so confusing. On that note, should we see what other people say on social media platforms? And here the question was, what is the best dating advice you've ever received? I really like the first one. As someone perpetually failing in my own dating advice, please allow me to offer you some advice on your own. I have a better one to top it up. Make sure you're the crazy one. Easily done. 100%. What about this one? Unless your girlfriend is Rihanna, she's not going to love the way you lie. (laughs) Okay. If they love everything you love on the first date, run. Whoever said that is very clever. Another one. If someone ghosts you, respect the dead and move on. I think we should always respect the dead. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, don't confuse lust with love. And this person says, masturbate twice before making any commitment. Now, I think navigating dating stages can be very complicated. And especially in our day and age, I'm not saying it's easy, but at least it should be fun. It should help us reaffirm our own beliefs or our expectations in a partner. Andre, if you had to describe the dating scene in the current day and age, what would you say? Error 404. Website not found. (laughs) 